0: Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to season two. Didn't even know we did seasons for the show, but we're doing seasons now, right, Anna?
1: (laughs) Yeah, season two of your therapist's playlist.
0: Yes, I'm Matt.
1: And I'm Anna.
0: And we took a very long break that wasn't planned at all. But I think that it was something that I can not speak for it but I know I needed summer. Everybody needs a summer break. And I claimed that. What about you?
1: Yeah, I mean, it was our summer break. It was my honeymoon vacation. So we did a little time off. It was semi-planned, not too planned.
2: but what do you mean? Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, like, the idea of taking a honeymoon was was there, but the exact date wasn't set until, like, I don't know, a month ago or something. Oh. So, But I'm glad to be back. Glad to be recording again.
0: Yeah, it's been a minute since we've really uploaded or recorded anything. Apologies to the listeners who maybe felt abandoned by us not really putting out any content. I know that it wasn't planned as far as a break goes, but... I hope that you are all forgiving and having a great deal of psychological flexibility to realize that even therapists who like music need breaks, too.
1: Yeah, exactly. And as a therapist, you know, self-care, self-care is important.
0: There's a small population within our field who get annoyed by the phrase self-care, which I get, but at the same time, too. I can't think of anything else that's better other than, oh yeah, I'm going to take a break. But self-care sounds more fancy. So I, I like to use that too to make myself sound special.
1: Do you, oh, so you do like the word self-care then? Yeah. I'm really I, real... I don't think I have any feelings towards it. Yeah. I guess I could see it being like kind of, I don't know, like maybe overused.
0: Yeah. Like I'm ambivalent as well. Like it doesn't bother me that much. But when people mention like, oh, I'm so tired of hearing about it. I'm like, yeah, I get it. Because I feel like people... When they talk about it, they don't really know exactly what self-care entails. It's not just something that's fun. You are also being productive and sometimes paying bills, doing things you don't want to do. That's
1: setting care. boundaries. Yes. Self-care boundaries. Oh, Lord. Be- and when I the first thing I think of when I hear the word self-care is Mac Miller, the song
0: Rest self-care. Peace.
1: Yes. All right, Mac.
0: Is that song? the instrumental sounds very somber so is that song happy or not
1: i i don't i i mean i think it has like a positive it's a positive but then it's like yeah. sad because of what happened <laughs> so, it's it's, yes. all right well
0: since <laughs> it's been so long how about we just catch the listeners up with how our summer's been i'm going to start with you on
1: uh summer's been good so far. Big thing was Ireland. So, I did post from there. I posted a video of an artist that we saw in Galway. So, and we're hoping to do an interview with him mm. as, as soon as we can, maybe next month, uh to learn a little bit more about the music scene in Galway and Ireland in general with all the pubs being closed. It's got to be pretty hard on the artists, I would think, because I think that was kind of like their main venue. Yeah. But it was fun. Uh, How's your summer going, Matt?
0: Uh, Summer's been pretty good. I transitioned into my full-time job at the private practice I'm at. Work has been very interesting in a good way, both when it comes to cases I'm working with, but also just, I think, experience I'm bringing to it. When it comes to, personally, things have been going pretty good this summer. Just been kind of hanging out with my two kittens here, having shenanigans happen with them, as, you know, pet parents will understand Got a chance to, of course, hang with like family, friends here and there, getting back into a good workout regimen, which I'm very, very happy with. And honestly, just been taking things one day at a time, not really trying to do too much just because, I mean, shit, I'm in my 30s. All right, I got to live it up now.
1: <laughs> yeah, because we're getting pretty close to the end here, Matt, in 30s.
0: Oh, yeah. See, I mean, Jay's <laughs> J- 30s, the new twenty, but that, you know, that kind of subsided. So now 30s back to being thirty. And one thing I can say I've noticed on social media is that people are making turning 30 into the most dire situation. Like, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm 30. And it's just like 30 for me was pretty decent outside of a few hiccups. I don't I don't have any complaints thus far.
1: Yeah, I don't really remember 30 that much, which I think is when my wedding was. So I probably should have a better memory. But (laughs) but I didn't get married when I was 30. So I don't know. I don't know. I'll give myself a break. But I but I don't I don't remember being like, oh horrible. The world didn't end when I turned 30. And honestly, I forget how old I am now. I'm like, oh yeah. Yeah, I
0: was gonna ask, how old are you?
1: 31.
0: Okay, me too. I think, yeah, I'm older, right? Yeah.
1: You're older like by like a few months or something, right?
0: The way you like talked about how you got married at 30, I'm like, I feel like you've been with your husband longer. Well, you've been with your husband for a while, but I keep thinking that the marriage is longer. Because I've just known that the two of you have been together for a long time. So it's just. Well, the
1: marriage is longer. The marriage is. Because our anniversary is not this weekend, but next weekend. Mm -hmm. What we're counting as our anniversary. We're counting our anniversary date is the date we got married in the church. The date. But years wise, it's our second anniversary. It's been two years. Okay.
0: So I'm not crazy. I'm not.
1: No, 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 you're like, yeah, it's just, super, it's just super confusing, but yeah, no, we've been married for a years, so, yeah, um, good times, good times, okay, but yeah, being 30 isn't that bad, I don't yeah. know what it is.
0: Maybe it's just the transitional thing, maybe it's something that we can create as a new theory to kind of, you know, talk about and put into writing, so written works, what it means to enter a transitional period at the age of 30, it's such a big deal now, I
1: guess now. I just flew by me, yeah. And it didn't feel like a transition. I still got confused for a high schooler this week. So, you know, that happened to me too
0: this summer. Not like confused as a high schooler, but I did get my ID checked. I don't feel like offended by this, but this isn't a compliment either. No, it was clients. That's what it was. Clients thought that I was like 22 as a therapist. I'm like, what kind of who? Who? What therapist do you know is 22 years old? They have no life experience or ability to really do anything with their work. (laughs)
1: Well, they would have just gotten out of grad school and technically they were like not fully licensed yet, but Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, yeah, I keep getting like, well, since I'm interning, people think that I'm just out of grad school and I'm like, oh no, 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 no. This is the second master's. It's been a while. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like i graduated oh Matt no 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 okay so one of the counselors at the school i'm interning at mm. we were in class together so we like we've had classes together for this master's program that i'm in right now and anyway he's like he he went to the high school that he's working at now that i'm interning at and i was like oh what year did you graduate and he's like oh 2014 and i was like okay yeah when you graduated from high school i graduated from graduate school the first time my master's that's that's horrible <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> how did he respond
1: he thought it was super funny and he he's like I can't believe you graduated back then this is your second master's what, what, what? and I'm like yeah I can't believe that you were in high school yeah then.
0: <laughs> yeah it is interesting taking classes after you've gone as far as your master's, when I went back to start classes for that substance so since you certification, it was just like, oh, yeah, I remember being in classes just wanting to sit and not participate or give answers. Now I work in the field. I have the answers. I kind of feel obligated, like I have to say something or raise my hand and contribute because the answers are now easy. And then it's just like, oh, my God, you know so much. No, I don't. I just work in the field. I was like you too, whippersnapper, back in my day.
1: Yes, yes. (laughs) That is exactly how it is. I'm always participating in class, and then sometimes I just want to hear what the teacher has to say. Yeah.
0: (laughs) And then it's when the teacher keeps calling on you because you're the adult learner, but you also have the experience like, oh, yeah, tell us this and tell us that. And it's like, maybe I don't want to.
1: Yeah, maybe I don't want to. Maybe (laughs) I don't want to participate. Maybe I just want to sit here. But Matt, talking about all of the uh, nostalgic things, school. Yes. transition to our topics a little bit. So Mm -hmm. Matt, what was was the type of music that you used to listen to in, uh, let's say, middle school and elementary school?
0: Same. Well, elementary school was different. I didn't really get into adult music until, I think, sixth grade. And it was mostly because, you know, peer pressure. So when I was in like sixth and well, fifth and under, it was like, you know, children's shit. So obviously Disney musical songs, chipmunks, because I never understood, like, how could they sing like that? Not realizing that they just increased the pitch sixth grade and onward, strictly hip hop, rap and nothing having to do with rock until like high school. So that was really it. What about you?
1: Say elementary school. Actually, we start really young. I mean, it was a lot of Selena. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's just all Mexican children (laughs) (laughs) with Selena, and then uh, country because where I was living. But then I will always remember this day. My older brother he told me, "Oh, there's a new radio station station in town." Because where I live, it's it's just oldies and country. And, you know, like there's, what do they say? Like there's two kinds of country. There's two kinds of music. We have country and Western. That's pretty much what it's like in Ottawa. So there's, there's like country music, country music, oldies, that's it. And anyway, my brother was all excited because he said there's a new radio station. And it's called like the Q. I think it was used to be 97.7. They might have changed it. But it it used to be 97.7. I don't know how I remember that. And he's like, Anna, they play all of the new music. He's like, have you heard of this? um, Have you heard of the Backstreet Boys? And I was like, no. And and, you got to remember, my brother is 13 years older than me. I know, I know. I was like... I was like seven, <laughs> so maybe six. I don't know. He's like, have you heard of the Backstreet Boys? And I was like, no. And he's like, oh, we got to hear this is what everybody's listening to now. Like, this is what everyone listens to. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so uh, that was my first introduction into pop music of, of that caliber. Because I guess technically Selena is like pop, Yeah, I think. But like boy bands. And then it was it was it was just I don't even know how to describe that what happened from there.
0: I will say this I had an aversion to boy bands just because of the fact that as a kid before I got into adult music, all the girls that I had crushes on it, like they just flopped to them so it was <laughs> it was a hard sell getting me into boy bands just because it's like so something is sing and they're cute. And they can do whatever they want, and they go on <laughs> concerts, and they don't have bedtimes, and they can just beach cool and shit. I don't care. I didn't say shit because I wasn't cursing at that time, but still. So it was a little, you were a little salty.
1: Oh, hell yeah, <laughs> hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As a little okay, kid, wow, like wow. I could, like. Mm. I mean, yeah. I don't know, boyfriends. It was it was everything, and I personally never really got into In or the Backstreet Boys. I was introduced. And I was like, okay, you know, I'm listening to you know, lyrics, whatever makes sense, music. But then I was like, no, I need to find my own thing. And that's when, actually, I would say I found LFO before I found O-Town.
0: But wait, yeah. who's LFO?
1: <laughs> Your face. <laughs> well, Matt, LFO is, is a boy band. Also, well, They fall into the boy band genre, but I always consider them more uh, in the hip hop range Mm -hmm. of the boy band because there was more rapping. It was more, you know, just, just more rap rather than, they weren't about like the choreographed dancing. There was only three members. So you have Rich, Brad, Devin. Sadly, Rich and Devin have both passed away. So Brad is the last member of LFO, but he is he's always um like everything he does he's always honoring rich and Devin, so it's kind of like they're just always with him like they're always a part of him to kind of like keep lfo going but i so i was like i was alpha i was LFO. i had the cd uh when their second album came out i was just like i was i was just so excited i was so excited because I, I don't know. I think I think it was honestly, I feel I feel like LFO's second album was the first like second album I ever got excited about, if that makes sense. You know, like because as a kid, you weren't you don't really think of like, oh, artists make an album and then they make another album. Like you don't you don't have that concept yet that they can like possibly record a second album. Yeah. So like when the second album was coming out, I was just like I was so excited. And I mean, that was that was radio days kids the radio is a harsh harsh place
0: <laughs> double-sided cassette tapes CDs. you guys know nothing about that
1: nothing about the radio well the radio and cds out of the little walkman where you have to hold it flat if you, if you mm-hmm. jiggle if you jiggle or you move around too much your cd's gonna skip Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you gotta, you gotta keep it flat and I remember I specifically like my parents got me a sport one which was supposedly the sport one. you were supposed to be able to like walk with it no <laughs> they also
0: don't know about when you're listening to a good album and then it just stops because the batteries died you need to go to the store
1: oh, yeah a,
0: a triple a batteries which I know about that
1: no no batteries yeah that's not even like a thing. Do people even use batteries for stuff anymore? I don't know. Or remotes. Um,
0: but I think that's also kind of gonna
1: die. So- remotes and like toys for little kids and that's yeah. Yeah. Everything else is like just charging, just plugging in. But yeah, so I don't know, back then you had to like listen to the radio and like wait and like hope. That's all you could do back all we had back then was hope pure hope that hey maybe they'll play a song that i like and i can i mean i will go go. well dude do do you remember when people used to like record songs from the radio like on their phone so they could like make it as their ringtone you've done it okay
0: (laughs) and voicemail too
1: oh i never did that one i did i did do the i think i did do the recording for the ringtone though yeah But you, but you had to wait, right? You had to like, wait, like, okay, it's on the radio. Now I can record it. And like, now I can have this song. But anyway, I I
0: can't, I just want to, I just want to add this as a joke. I can't wait until whatever, whatever the two generations down from Gen Z is, I can't wait till we become the boomers for them. And they start talking shit about how our generation was fucked up because we had hope because of radio. Like, we held on to hope because hope is so irrational. But it it's like, you guys were just so damaged because you had to wait for songs to come out and we just get it whenever we want to. Because, damn, that shit hurts.
1: <laughs> That's the same thing with uh, TV, too. Like, I, I am always complaining because my stepkids will just rewatch the same episode. Like, they'll rewatch the same, like, three episodes of a show for an entire, like, five days straight. Just just replaying those. That's not a thing that we no, could do.
0: Oh no, no, it was Disney movies like Lion King Toy Story.
1: Yep, yeah, you had to physically go put it back in and <laughs> rewind. You had to rewind it, Matt. You gotta at least do some physical work there. Okay. And these days it's just a button. You can just keep you can just keep hitting play and like not yeah. There's no struggle. <laughs> but anyway, anyway, so back to LFO. And I want to talk about O-Town, but I'm not going to talk about O-Town because today's not the day to talk about O-Town, yes. but I love O-Town also. And because those were my two, those were my two, LFO, O-Town. O-Town hit the well, pop, all, you know, they were the pop, Well, you know?
0: Well, when we get them, we'll get them. Let
1: let <laughs> order
0: LFO because this, this is their episode.
1: Well, actually the LFO story, I don't know if anybody can see, is a, it was like a virtual Event concert that I attended over COVID, and it was awesome. It was hosted—I mean, hosted created by Brad Fischetti of of uh, LFO, um, and he had some special him, some special guests that joined in here and there. But mostly, he he just talked about the story of LFO, how the guys came together. What it was like making music, what it was like writing. I mean, Rich wrote a lot of the songs. That's the difference. That's another difference with LFO. Is that and actually? I want to say Rich wrote all those songs. Don't quote me on that, but I'm like, I'm like ninety nine percent sure that he did because I know for a fact that Rich helped write songs for other artists. Yeah, like O Town. Yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> but. Yeah, so, I mean, and a, and a lot of the boy bands did not do that. Like, the Backstreet Boys didn't write their songs on their first album, you know, and they, and not to their, um, yeah. like, not not their fault, you know, it's just how it was. Like, there was just so much control over boy bands back then. Like, that was part of um, the problems that they were experiencing, that they didn't have any freedom, really. Yeah. So, a lot of mental health topics that we could talk about with that and I'm hoping that we can talk about it in our interview with Brad Fischetti.
0: Hey yes
1: we are very excited for this.
0: Anna's been very 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 excited for this moment to come.
1: I was a, that's an understatement Matt. <laughs> <Everybody>, <laughs> anybody, that knows me, anybody that knows me knows the understatement of that as I have always loved LFO and honestly before I saw the LFO story I was already still listening to LFO. I'm not gonna lie to anybody about that. I listen to them like probably once a week at least at the least not always the same album because I really 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 like the second album. But I also really like the first album. So I don't know. I don't know. Just throw a song into my playlist every once in a while and go with it. <laughs> Is there any, um, like, bands or artists that you still listen to, Matt, that you've, like, consistently listened to over the years of your life since child?
0: I still listen to the same things that I used to listen to when I was younger. So nothing.
1: The the (laughs) chipmunks.
0: No, because after I figured out, like, oh, yeah, I just pitched the music. I just pitched the artists that I started to listen to. 50 Cent's in the club is different when you hear it in the tone of, like, Alvin, Theodore, and Simon, you know? (laughs)
1: yeah you know what i honestly didn't really realize that either because the chipmunks recordings are so old like i didn't think that they had that capability so i thought it was like someone just making that voice and singing that way but then when the newer chipmunks movie came out with jesse mccartney yeah i was like i know for a fact jesse mccartney doesn't sing like a chipmunk (laughs) (laughs) so i'm like they did something to his voice
0: (laughs) but yeah Yeah, I think generally everybody. So Destiny's Child, they don't exist anymore. So Beyonce, to some extent, Eminem, 50 Cent hasn't really put out music anymore. So there's that. Jay-Z, but he hasn't really put out anything. It's nothing, really. But it's time for our special guest.
1: All right. So we are here with Brad Fischetti of LFO. So welcome, Brad. Welcome to Your Therapist Playlist. Um, Matt and I are so excited. We are pretty excited to have you. Um, I know I'm ecstatic. <laughs> but um, so how is everything going right now? You are, you're just on tour or on tour right now?
2: Yeah. So, you know, I've been uh, a part of this Pop 2000 tour. and It's not like a tour, like the traditional tour where you get in a bus and you go for a month. This is the kind of tour that you, you go out for weekends and then go home and fly out for a weekend and then come home. So, um, but yeah, we just got back with it in July and we're a couple weekends into it. And so far so good.
1: That's a pretty cool concept. Cause then that way you guys can be with your families. Cause I, I was, I was wondering cause I know you were, you mentioned your kids earlier when we spoke. So you're able to go home, be with your family throughout the week and then do it on the weekends. And that's that, is that new to you or is it something you've done before with past Horse?
2: No, that's a, that's a new concept in my world, but for all of us, for, there's a there's a few reasons for it. One, yeah, several of us have families, but but also unless you are an artist that is like currently very hot, you, it's hard to book a good show on a Monday and a Tuesday and a Wednesday. You know, yeah. So your best bet is to go out and play Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then come home. You know, so it worked. It works out great for us. A few of the guys have have families to get home to and. Um, certainly for me, getting home with the, the five kids and the wifey and, and you know, I do I do church work as well. So I'm not really in a part, place in my life where I can just leave for two months at
0: a time. I feel like that's a nice transition to have as an artist who has had a career as long as yours and now can have the time to create certain, I guess, structures that, one, keep them kind of performing and entertaining in the way that they're used to and enjoy and love. And at the same time, helps to create a balance where they can kind of live a personal life and have people that they want to tend to be there with and often spend times with. So it sounds like it's kind of the best of both worlds for you.
2: For me, it is for sure. Um, The way that it's set up now is really sort of special way um, for me, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm real thankful for for the opportunity.
1: What was it like on the tours? before where you're just gone for I mean what was like the longest time you were away on the tour
2: I don't remember <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, a couple months probably but you know back then it didn't really matter you just you wanted to stay out as long as you could and really if if I could bring my family I would still do it I, I love being in a different city every day and I love the grind of traveling so I, I enjoy that very much but like you said, it's kind of the best of both worlds gives you a chance to actually my, my therapist said that to me, she said, this sounds like it's great for you. Cause you get a chance to go out and, and do what, you know, what, what you do, like what, what brings you something that's special to you and, and brings you a lot of joy and still maintain your regular life. Yeah. And she was right about that.
1: I mean, that's just one of the things I've thought of with the tour, like being on the types of tours that you were in the past, like, is it even possible to maintain any type of normal life? Like maintaining your connections with your your family and your friends and
2: I mean these days it's much I would say it's probably much easier because we have FaceTime and we have Zoom and we have cell phones and texting and Facebook and all that stuff, right? Back then it was much much different. You had cell phones, but not necessarily texting yet. So yeah, I would say it's very difficult for somebody to maintain a strong family foundation if they're constantly away from their family, you know? Uh, so this tour, this kind of touring works really well for me. And I've, I've enjoyed it a lot. What
0: would you say are some of the things you do now to enact self-care as an artist currently? Because I know that, well, I don't know. That's why I'm asking. Like, I can think about, what it was like not having some of the modern affordances that we have now when it comes to FaceTime, uh, social media to interact with family friends, just to say, kind of grounded and in touch with everybody. or is back then, there were less affordances and as a result, maybe more work demands or more pressure to just keep on the grind.
2: Yeah. I mean, um, I, I think ultimately, your question is about self-care between then and now, right? And then mm-hmm. that's, I was never, you mentioned, like, having family and friends to talk to. I'm, by nature, I'm an introvert, right? And and I understand that an introvert is not necessarily what people think an introvert is, but an introvert gains their energy from being alone, right? Whereas an extrovert gets their energy from being around people. Being around lots of people drains my energy, you know? So I need that time alone to just sort of recharge. And so the road does offer you that because there is yeah, I was telling my wife just yesterday, that like, there's like so much time during the show day where I, I am alone, you know, just because there's it's, it's a whole lot of, there's a lot of waiting, there's a lot of driving, right? So, but I think back then, I didn't really have any concept of mental health. And certainly 20 years ago, there was a stigma around anybody who needed a counselor or therapist, right? These days, it's becoming more normal, more accepted, right? We, uh, we spend a lot of time on our physical health, and too often times we don't we, we neglect our mental health. And I certainly, I certainly did that, and I didn't really have somebody that I could really just who was maybe around me who was like, "Hey, dude, uh-uh, no, 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 not a good, not a good idea," you know, or somebody to bounce ideas off of. So, so the biggest difference is just being aware uh, of the importance of mental health. And also being aware of capturing the moments, I, I did a pretty good job of that back in the day. But you know, these days I think I'm, I'm more conscious of just you know yeah. driving through uh, the middle of nowhere in Iowa and just you know like, wow, you know, just experiencing awe, which is something that you know my bandmate uh, Devin Lima was excellent at, always experiencing awe, and I think that can do a lot for a person's psyche. So yeah, get, you know, self care. I was never the guy that was out partying. So that really wasn't an issue for me. You know, I always in my best. I worked out. I ate really good. Yeah, that's it.
0: I like your answer just because I feel like as mental health becomes destigmatized, I've noticed that there are times that people become stuck. I heard this really cool analogy that I've been using a lot of my work, how we can easily create a goal that we want to work towards, but we don't often think about or we lose sight of there are steps we need to take to get to that goal. And we more so become so distraught over not knowing the steps versus realizing we can create the steps. So even in what you're saying, while it wasn't something that was on your mind that you were very conscious of, you were doing things to take care of yourself. So eating well, working out, trying your best to just live in the moment and experience awe. I like hearing that because I feel like when we as clinicians sometimes talk about being present, it's more so about like grounding in the traditional sense of, okay, let me use my senses, let me put my hands on stuff so I can feel connected versus just looking all around and just going, wow, this is where I'm at in life. And for better or for worse, it's cool just to say I am here in this moment. Amen to that.
1: Mindfulness, I think a lot of people don't realize it's something that they can get better at over time too. Mm-hmm. You know, like it takes a little practice. Self-care. Um, yeah, self care. Those are what we call mindfulness. Basically, everything you described, like, you know, just taking in your surroundings and just being present in the moment. We call it like being mindful. Yeah. And when we teach our clients about mindfulness and we talk about it, it's always that, you know, when you're practicing mindfulness, you're going to have other thoughts that are coming in. You're going to start thinking about like, what am I going to make the kids for dinner? You know, what am I going to do tomorrow? What you know, what do I need to do next? Uh, what what's work going to be like? Like those thoughts are going to come. Like you can't, they're not going to just shut off. But you can get to the point where you kind of acknowledge them and just like let them flow through you, and you you bring yourself back to that moment, and you're like, like you said, like just. Enjoying Iowa, which <laughs> uh, just you know, you you would bring yourself back to that. Like, wait, no, I'm in a beautiful place. Or uh, for you, you know, just just being like, wow, I'm doing what I love. You know, wow, I'm you know, I'm I'm happy. Like, I'm just experiencing life. You know. Yeah, I
2: felt yeah, I felt that way on a trip to Iowa, which was like the beginning of to- 2020. But I remember just driving. It was it was the winter time, and. Iowa is just so wide open, you know, like so it's really beautiful. I remember just being like, I felt like really happy, like really peaceful, you know. And I often think that I'd love to just move someplace where it was just a lot of space, you know. But I also know that change of scenery isn't necessarily always be a, the answer to Fixing the way one feels, you know what I mean? Because you can be depressed in Iowa as, as you can be depressed in New York City. You
1: know? Oh, yeah. Definitely understand that one. I just got back from Ireland. I was in um, Ireland for two weeks, basically just road tripping it. Yeah. Um, it was uh, it was our honeymoon for my husband and I. Delayed because of COVID. So we, we did our honeymoon. And there was a lot of those wow moments just – you know, just like pull over the car, just pull pull the car over, pull the car over and just pulling off to the side and just getting out of the car and just standing there and just looking at the surroundings and just trying to take it in. Um, but it, but it's exactly like you said, though, at the end of the day, it's like, I know when I got home, like uh, any problems that I had before I left, they're still going to be there. You know, it doesn't.
2: Yeah, but you were able to enjoy, you were, you were able to be present in the moment and enjoy yeah. the trip. I and mean, then you, you just started a new job too,
1: right? I started an internship. Because I'm working on my second master's. So I this is my second day of my internship at McHenry um, High School. I
2: yeah, school district.
0: Remember you talking about
1: yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. It's fun. School counseling is fun.
0: <laughs> I just want to say to all the listeners who are huge fans of LFO, you have a right to be jealous that Brad has this intimate memory and information about Anna, and you know, should <laughs> <laughs> You should be a little bit jealous, but at the same time, just know that this is why we decided to do this interview to help soothe your tendencies.
2: Well, you know, um, I had a, uh, she had bought a ticket for the uh, live stream concert that I did. And part of that ticket, she had the uh, VIP meet and greet. So that's how we had a chance to talk and I learned about her, her work and this podcast and more importantly, just, you know, really the important work that, that she was getting, doing and also getting ready to embark on with uh, the schoolwork, you know.
0: So that's pretty exciting. So when you find yourself on tour or creating new music, what are things that you look for that help to ground you that, I guess, create those ah moments for you?
2: You ask some. Your questions are
0: like multifaceted. There isn't one of them. It's the therapist in me. I can't help it. <laughs>
1: You can't ask just one question, Matt.
0: No. Uh, <laughs> so you're asked because because you're at one,
2: in one way you're asking about being grounded, but then you're asking about experiencing awe. So it's interesting to con- consider like seeing awe and being grounded, you know. But I think for me, it probably starts with prayer as a way for me to really keep myself grounded. Actually, I even this past weekend, I was I was having some trouble focusing during the show. So first show. So the second show, I actually prayed as I was playing. if you can believe that? Right. So I, I pulled out my my uh, rosary ring and I, I had it on my finger during Summer Girls. And I was trying to like because Summer Girls I know with just via muscle memory or brain memory. Like it just I don't have to think about it. And I was always the one that would remember the words. Like Rich would forget the words a lot, but I always remember them. But for some reason lately, I've been I, my mind get goes into other places and then I start thinking about the words. And when you do that with a song like Summer Girls, you're gonna there's no way you're gonna figure out where you're at. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well maybe if I just maybe I just like prayed as I'm rapping, it'll just come out. And so it worked out. <laughs> well yeah, so for me, um, for me being being grounded means having gratitude and thanksgiving for the blessings that have been bestowed upon me. So that's the first place I have to go. And also remembering what your mission is. My mission with anything related to LFO is to honor Rich and honor Denon, my bandmates who both passed away, nurture the legacy, and then also bring people back to a time when things were just a little bit more simple. So for that hour two hours, whatever it might be, they might feel better than they they did before they walked into the room, you know, remembering uh, old times and and feeling nostalgic and having fun with their friends. And so, so for me, it's very important to be aware of what your mission is. So that's where it's at for me. And then also, I find I do better in most things when I'm exercising as well, right? So I'm hitting the gym pretty consistently. It's very good for my brain. It's good for my body as well, but It's it's very good for my brain. So yeah, prayer, mission, and exercise. And then probably a diet would be the next. That's not something I've been, I was really good at that in my 20s. In my 40s, it's like some sort of my weakness, but I, I jump in and out, you know.
1: I would say he just hit kind of like the three areas of self-care because I've had clients in the past where I've had them come up with a self-care weekly plan and I'm always like okay come up with something for your body come up with something for your mind come up with something for like your soul like spiritually so you're just doing that naturally.
2: (laughs) There's, There's a cartoon that's pretty cool and it's like it's like a guy at the doctor's office complaining about he feels sick and the, the doctor, I don't know if he asked him the questions or gave me advice. He's like, well, or maybe his his prescription was okay. I want you to meditate, walk, eat, and sleep, like all the things that you should normally do to feel better. you know and I think I think a lot of the physical ailments we have are caused by our, our mental issues, if for lack of a better term. I'm not saying it's psychosomatic. I'm saying that when when you stress the body and you stress the you stress the mind you can there the body can therefore be stressed and if you're not doing anything to to release that or if what you're doing exacerbates it like if you're going to drink when you feel stressed out we might might chill you for a little while but the next morning you know problems problems may ensue and so I, it's just kind of a vicious cycle and, and i i really I look around and i'm really saddened by what i see and and not only like in people who have established lives but like In in the destitute, you know, people who—I was the other day—I was looking at some homeless people, and they were camped out under a bridge in Texas. And I'm like thinking, like each one of them at one time was probably a vibrant child. You know, like where did it all go wrong? And typically, it's drugs that really sets people into the wrong direction. But it's just, you know, I think like your work is just so important because there's just such an epidemic of sadness and depression and mental health issues and. I think we've just gotten ourselves just way too busy. There's just too much. It's like, I want to go back to like Little House in the Prairie days. You know what I mean? It's like, where it's just like, you just had time, you had space, you enjoyed your family. Obviously, you had to go find your food, which wasn't necessarily uh, a convenience, but I wish there was a middle ground, you know, between like the modern conveniences of having indoor plumbing and, and antibiotics and, and food on the shelf, but still being able to just enjoy being without distractions and enjoy nature and enjoy your family. So,
1: Isn't that, that's, oh, I was going to say, that's a little bit about what uh, your new song is about, right? The digital age. At least that's, that was my interpretation.
2: Yeah. That, yeah. That song was, was, was a, there's an artist named Fangs who put out the song called digital age and he asked me if I would do a guest rap on it. And so when I heard it, I was like, this sounds like something I write as far as lyrically, because, he took, the, he took the hook from Paul Cole's big hit, um, I don't want to wait for his life to be over, you know. And he wrote all about kind of like being in the moment. So when I got a chance to do my rap, I was like, yeah, I got this. like, you know, I tried to, you know, play it on words a bit, but basically, you know, what I was saying was put away Facebook, put away Instagram and, you know, get your head in back into the clouds, you know, experience them all, return to God and focus on what's important. I obviously didn't use those words, but that was the the premise of it.
1: I wanted to go back to what Brad, what you were saying about the uh, the nostalgia of the shows that you put on. You know, the the work that you do, that artists do, uh, Matt and I feel is it's it's just as important as what we do. Like, you bring joy and happiness to people. You know, and it's it can't be measured, especially men. I definitely feel this way because we just love music so much. You know, it has so much meaning for us. But when I went to the Pop 2000 tour the first time, it was just it was like chilling for me. It on and, and so many different levels because you know, um, yeah, people are experiencing the the joy and the nostalgia, remembering you know easier times, but for me one thing about it was that i got to see artists that i never would have i I never could have afforded before as a kid you know to see you well yeah to even be speaking to you right now as a as a as an eight-year-old i would have just told you that's impossible you know that's beyond impossible that's that's just not like i would never even be able to see you in concert you know that, that would never happen and so you you, and the other uh, artists like O-Town going back out there and doing this tour now, it's, you're giving a lot of people opportunities to see you guys that never, ever got those as a kid, yeah. you know?
2: You, you bring up a good point, And that is like this intangible goodness in what we're doing. And I try to explain that to my wife too. And it's hard because she doesn't have a chance to come out and experience it. But in, in particular for for my set, because you know we do a, a section in the middle of it where you know we honor Rich and Devin and talk about them and have a moment of silence. And after the show, it's like the the fans are so gracious. They're so kind. They're saying things like what you said, like "Oh, I didn't get a chance to see you guys," or they might say, "I met Rich one time at a Walgreens," or "I just lost my dad. I lost my best friend. I didn't know how you're feeling." Or and so it's like it's it's like you're you're doing we're like doing so much good like again and on on a micro level right if if all of us could take big issues and 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 do something about them on a micro level we could affect major change right but, but right there at that moment we're doing like the most good that we can do and and it's it's working like people are happy people are sharing stories people are are giving thanks right they're they're going back to simple times I mean it's it's, it's it's something that's hard to quantify, but there's just no doubt that you know. For me, I feel like it's a it's a way to to bring a little bit of the peace that I that I get from my relationship with God into into a place where you normally wouldn't talk about stuff like that. Right. And again, I don't get up on the stage to preach, you know, but but I think just spreading goodness and love is in a way evangelizing. You know? So you're right. It's, it's been a really beautiful experience. It's a very emotional experience for me, obviously, with uh, having lost my, both my bandmates. And um, typically, you know, typically I, the first or second show of each tour, I, I want to leave the stage like just melting down tears, you know. But this this past weekend before the show the old town guys were, were getting ready to pray. We were all, we were all in the same room and it was right before they going on, I'm like, Hey, come, you know, pray with us. Like, yeah, of course. So we're all together. We're praying. And then afterwards they, they just kind of looked at each other and they kind of smiled and laughed and did like handshakes and fist bumps, like all these like routines that they do. And, and the, and the interaction that joy that they had with each other, that, that sent me into tears. Like I was like, that's something that I missed so much with, with Rich and Devin. It's just like being able to look at each other and, and know what, what the other one's thinking and just, you know, sharing the stage with each other and experiencing those things together, you know? So it's normally, you know, it's beautiful to see it, but it was hard as well, you know? So there's just a whole lot of emotions going on out there for for the fans, for me, and I do believe it's, it's something what we're doing there is good, and I'm really thankful to be a part of it.
1: I think uh, I, you know. I don't know. Not everyone uses the the talents that they have for good, right? To help people and to bring joy. So the fact that you got you have you've you've chosen to do that with your career. I mean, it, that's amazing. That's amazing in itself. Like you said, those like small scale things. I mean,
2: yeah, I, I had the benefit of having lived almost a half a century at this point, and having. Unfortunately, we have to go through some really difficult times. You know, like I really want people to be able to get through life without hitting those like really down deep rock bottom type things. I just wish they could just have a life that's a little bit less trauma filled. And so for me, it's like having experienced what I've experienced, like you have to sort of take all that stuff and and make something good of it, right? Either that or just cower in the corner. Yeah. You know, so I've learned and I feel like I have a pretty good concept of you know what it means to make good choices and do good things and it's a great honor honestly to be able to go out there and just do good things it's uh it's real special and really thankful
1: yeah I think you're right I mean um people experience trauma throughout their life it's it's about still having hope and I don't like Matt and I we were talking about this
0: I made a statement about how like as an adult, we realize hope is irrational. But no, now when we were in the nineties and early two thousands, we made hope happen. Yeah, you
1: know, <laughs> we need like more. Um, the 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 digital age has affected this because there's just there's just so much um, every everything you want, like you get it immediately. Like you don't have to wait anymore. You don't have to. You don't have to like have as much hope, right? You don't have to. You, you can just you can just get it. We were we were talking about hope on a small scale of like hoping that your favorite song comes on the radio because I used to mm-hmm. I uh, I really, really liked the uh, second album uh, Life is Good. And I used to I used to get so excited when any any song from that album would come on the radio. But it was it was uh, that's how we started the conversation because I was like, you just all you had was your hope, like your hope that your favorite song is going to come on. Like there was nothing you could do to make it happen. You just wished And then, and then it happens, and it's like amazing, and you're trying to record it. You're trying to like, oh, I want to hold on to this, and that's kind of lost. Uh, It's it's lost a little bit these days, I'd say. Yeah,
2: definitely immediate gratification. You know, it's not. I wouldn't say it's a good thing at all. Personally, I just, I'm just not a fan of where we're going. You know, the direction that we're headed. But I don't have, I don't have a solution for that. It's a whole other podcast, I guess.
1: Yeah, I mean, it starts with the kids. Trying to teach patients. Try, actually, that's kind of the main thing. <laughs> I don't know. I have, uh, I have four stepkids myself. And it's, you know, just... Uh, um, I was telling Matt how... And I don't know if your kids do this too. But now that we have uh, streaming, it's like they'll watch the same episode of the same show, like, over and over again. So I'm talking about it'd be like three days, ag- three days in a row where they're cycling between the same maybe five episodes of like the clone wars and it's just it's just over and over again and also i don't want to get super deep into this but i also think like anxiety comes into play like it's easier to be anxious these days yeah. because it's easier to avoid so like for kid and, and i know this with with my stuff because it's like something new something new is anxiety provoking so a new show we don't really want we don't we don't we don't really want to watch a new show we know clone wars and we know these specific episodes of Clone Wars. So we're just going to keep watching them because that's safe, you know?
2: Wow, you really took it someplace, didn't you?
1: I did. You know what? I told you. <laughs> yeah. We told you this is going to be like a session. This is how we do sessions. This is how I do sessions. <laughs> I think
2: you need
0: a session to work through that one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably.
0: <laughs> I have a question for you, Brad. What was your song that you just couldn't wait to hear on the radio when you were younger?
2: You know, I was thinking about that one um, when you guys were talking about that. And I remember listening to, like, Casey Kasem's Top 40 on the radio and you count them down. I think back then, I'm, I'm trying to think, but, like, when Bon Jovi was big, you know, like hearing some Bon Jovi on the radio or Guns N' Roses. Yeah, that's, that's the first thing that comes to my mind is, like, when Bon Jovi was, was in the Top top 10, you know, and their songs were on the radio and listening, oh, I wonder if Bon Jovi's was still number one or something like that.
0: I feel like when you're able to really find that song that resonates with you, it like captures a nice screenshot of what adolescence or childhood was like. I think as you were reflecting, I was thinking about what that song was for me. I really specifically remember Jagged Edges, Where the Party At with Nelly, because that song was just so fun. It was a bop, as the kids say, and it's like, yeah, I can't wait to listen to this. It was just so fun.
2: Yeah, yeah. No, I can't remember those kind of feelings as well. My favorite Jagged Edge song is Let's Get Married. It's very romantic. Mm -hmm. Meet me at the altar in your white dress. We ain't get no younger, we might as well do it.
0: (laughs) What woman wouldn't want to get married when she hears that? (laughs) I feel like (laughs) <laughs> that is the wedding song for most weddings, I feel like, from 2010 till 19 might even still be the case today. Oh, my gosh.
2: No, <laughs> I, I, do, I do love the song. I, I laugh at that, lyric, but but I, I do love, love the song. But Yeah, I mean, like you're saying, like, uh, back in the day when you just sit by the radio and, and wonder what song was coming on next, it was a whole different time. These days, you got Spotify and you can listen to any song ever recorded anytime you want. That's one aspect of technology that I really I really do like is being able to listen to my music without carrying my, my walkman around, you know?
0: Even though it still exists, I miss often shuffling my music, getting exposed to songs I know I like. But then because I used to just have like a whole bunch of albums on like my iPod. Just getting exposed to like that newer song that I haven't listened to the whole album yet and going, like, Oh, this is really good. I need to go back and check out the whole album, really enjoy it so much.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah, whole, yeah. I feel like whole album listening is like kind of rare now because it's because of like Spotify, you can just pick the song that you want to hear and then that's it. You kind of neglect the rest of the album.
2: Yeah, a lot of artists aren't really putting traditional albums out anymore, it's a lot of it is. Just the constant delivery of assets, so it's like here's a single, here's an EP, here's the album, here's this, here's that. So it's an interesting, interesting time in music for sure. But I, as much as I don't like immediate gratification, I do enjoy being able to immediately listen to any song that I'm listening to.
1: What is? Well, okay, I don't know if this is a weird question, but do you? Is, are there any songs that you've recorded? That you've you've listened to like more than the others? Any any one of the songs that has the most meaning for you?
2: I don't listen to a lot of LFO songs. Yeah, I have my favorites. You know, Baby Be Mine is my favorite. Mm, yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's as far as like stuff that I've recorded. And you know, Devin and I did a side project called The Exiles. We put out a little Christmas EP, a hip hop project. So I enjoy listening to that. There's a few songs that we recorded that we never released. I like listening to that. As far as stuff that I've done, the song that I, that I wrote for him, "Ode to Harold," I used to listen to that constantly, especially when we were mixing it, because we had this like five minute long orchestration. You know, just like the whole point of that orchestration was to take him to a different place and close his eyes, forget about his pain, and just experience the beauty of all the music. Yeah.
1: I mean I think that's about as meaningful as you can get with a song you know specifically like I mean and and it makes it makes sense I think that those songs mean a little bit more to you than maybe the other um LFO songs because they were and I don't know this could be like a misperception or something that a lot of like the boy band stuff like all of it was kind of like controlled was that the case for LFO like you guys
2: no, we, got, we we were fortunate that you know, Summer Girls is a song that we, that we created. So the they record label gave us um, a little bit more flexibility to have stuff that we would create on the album. First album, it was a bunch of stuff. That was stuff they wanted us to do. And so we just did it. Second album was mostly stuff that we wanted to do. So in that case, we weren't fortunate that we weren't just recording random songs that people wrote that the labels that you had to record you yeah. we did sell that the first album for sure
1: i always preferred the second album or i guess i still do <laughs> but i think i heard you say in an interview too that like what the singles were were kind of decided for you guys
2: yeah we had no say in that but that, that wasn't in my opinion it was a mistake made the first album You know, Summer Girls hit was huge. Girls TV was huge, and for us, we thought the next thing was should be West Side Story because that fit that feeling, and we just a crowd favorite. But they wanted to like go into this the typical boy band routine of two up tempos and mid tempos, and then the ballad. We weren't the kind of group that we should be singing ballads. It's not that wasn't our thing. We released I Don't Want to Kiss Goodnight, which was a beautiful song, you know. I do listen to that sometimes because I, I, love, I love Devin's ad-libs on it, you know? His ad-libs on the song Forever are definitely my favorite. It's just amazing. So Kissy and I came out. It did okay, but it wasn't what the other ones were. And that was it. And the end of the album cycle, you know?
1: Yeah, West Side Story was uh, – that, that I think that was my favorite song, like, initially. I, I mean, I watched the movie because of it. <laughs> like I was so curious. I, I wanted to like, what is West Side Story? No. Um, no. And it's like one of my favorite musicals now. But um, you're right. Like any song with, I mean, Devin, his voice is amazing. I I mean, I yeah. love it. I love listening to him sing.
2: I, I did a solo record on on him through my record label called Devin Lima and the Cadbury Diesel, and um, I listen to that you know fairly often. And he's got a he's got a song called can be the Not and it almost makes me almost like it's pr- prophetic you should go you go yeah I should go listen to it. I want to just play a little bit in my ear real quick so I can just think about it all. I'll, I'll raise a light now, even if you are the quintessential night out. Deep
1: inside, we all shine
2: on. Why oh, wait to decompose a coal mine? Right now, you can become eternal sunshine. Turn yourself into a dime. On your knees, pretty please. You will cry as she speaks. When love rules your mind. You can be denied. He's like, you know, he's got the line. We, you know, we we all we're all razor light now. And basically he's saying like you have the ability to be light, to be a diamond, you know what I mean? And so I, I listened to that song pretty often. Their whole album was really, I'm not saying because I, I was the executive producer, but it was just a beautiful album. Really, really, really good pop record.
1: Is that album on Spotify?
2: Yeah. Yeah
1: and check it out i knew you were gonna <laughs> say that <laughs> of course yeah of course i'm gonna check it out i i i really i do i love his voice i mean rich i think uh like you were saying earlier his uh his rap skills like because i always thought of lfo as more kind of like in a hip-hop genre rather than Yeah, just,
2: that's how we started we were a rap group and then you know, we kind of realized that we'd have to do some singing if we wanted to break into the scene you know but Rich really was one of the greatest rappers ever. He just, gave, he, he could freestyle like, like nobody I ever saw, you know? I do believe he, like, if you freestyle with Biggie, Biggie would respect him, you know? Not saying Rich would beat him, but Biggie would respect him. For sure, no doubt. The talent, talented dude. Both these guys, really talented men, you know, great songwriters and performers and singers, rappers. It's just just a great, a great tragedy. And Well, that's what the story is. The old story is essentially a tragedy. You know, but like I said before, it's, um I can't really come up with something better than the cliche like when we out of lemons, you know, and there's probably a better way to articulate that. But at some point you just decide, do you just sort of let it die? Or do you do what you can to nurture the legacy? And of course if the fans were like, ah, no, this is ridiculous, you shouldn't be doing it. Well, then you say, well, you tried, but like you like you said, the fans have been amazing. It's just it's just very humbling to me. So it's it's what I call it, you know, an, an unfortunate honor. Same thing I tell a family if I help them with their music for a funeral at the church or help something like that, and they're like so thankful. And it's like, well, I want to say it's my honor, but it's really my unfortunate honor. I wish I didn't have to say, I wish I didn't have to stand on the stage with Rich and Devin's shelter Adidas hanging from the mic stand instead of them wearing those Adidas next to me, you know?
1: Yeah. I think you've been doing just an amazing job honoring them with everything you're, everything you're doing, everything you've done. It seems so, so intentional, you know, like you're, you're like, it's, it's, Um, I, I don't know. Like you, I think you help people kind of, you help people f- feel them, you know, like feel them still, and your music and what you're doing, and uh, uh, you know, it's amazing that you're able to do that.
2: Well, I appreciate that. It is—it's all—it is very intentional, for sure, and it's very serious to me. We have fun, but it's, its very important to me to make sure that in every show, I remind the people who they were, and then also that I remind the people that God exists and He loves them. You know, that's—you know—the spiritual journey is a whole different ball game, and, and I. Certainly respect the fact that it's different for everybody because it was different for me. But when I look back at my life, I can see people who I believe God put in my path to try to tell me that, you know? I don't think I really was ready for it when I was 20 or 22. You know? So I want to be somebody who plants a seed, you know, and, and hope that one day that, that seed bears fruit. So it's great. It's great privilege to do I do and I often reflect on my current state of affairs and this is a really interesting life you know and God really has blessed me because you know at some point you got to just for me I had to just give up trying to be the highest authority in my life and and be vulnerable enough to um, realize that there's a God and uh, so I think ever since then as long as I stay close to that and remember that it's really helped me to sort of find my way and again, I'm just really, really thankful for the position I'm in today.
1: Just like hearing you talk, like all I can think about is how amazing it is that you have found faith and maintaining, and like you said, um, you're not putting yourself as, you said, like the highest authority to... um to have gone from someone who was selling out shows and had people screaming for you, you know, where where it's it's almost like you're being placed in that position where it's like you could you could have been a raging narcissist, you know? And uh and maybe you were when it was going well, on, you well,
2: know, but <laughs> I never, I never was that I never I never took it as real life, you know, like I appreciated it, but I never I never took it as like somebody Coming up to you, screaming and crying, saying "I love you." It's like, okay, you you don't like you you (laughs) don't really know me. You know what I mean? But I appreciate that. So I was never one that necessarily craved the fame. So when it was over, it wasn't that hard for me to transition out of it. There was times where it's like you go to a show at a place where you used to play shows. You know, like this is weird. Like I'm attending this concert now. You know. But I was never one that like, felt like I needed the fame, you know. So even, even today, like, when I do stuff, it's like, it's like wow, it's like, it's, it's, it's an odd experience you know, to be standing at the end of a line of people waiting to say hello to you, you know. It's like, really? <laughs> Just come to church on Sunday. and say hi many times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a great honor. Honestly, it's, it's very humbling and, and very touched by people partnering with me
0: on my mission.
1: It's a good way to look at it.
0: For the listeners, what are some tips that you can give on how to find what your mission is? I do a lot of uh, value work with the clients that I work with and try to help them kind of understand when it comes to creating a purpose, it's important to find out what your values are. So what are some tips that you would give to, I guess, help them kind of conceptualize the listeners, that is, how how to find your own mission?
2: Yeah, I think for me the first thing is trying to discern what God's will is, which is not easy. We we have to be careful that we're, when we're maybe sometimes we think we we know what it is, but it might be whoa, just our own thing. So the way to, the way the way that I sort of identify that is like I search my heart and I search my intentions. Right. So okay, if your heart's pure and your intentions are clear, then this is a good thing, right? But really, I think it's about intentions. Like what, okay, you want to be, you, you want your life's mission to be X, Y, Z. Okay, well, what are your intentions? Why? You know? And that, that, I find that to be very helpful. But we don't always succeed right away with these, with these um, types of things. But the fact that you're at least being intentional about trying to discern, well, what is my mission? What, what, I, what do I want to get out of this life? What do I want to provide? What's my legacy going to be? those are important questions to ask and i think a lot of folks are probably just kind of lost you know and then other folks like my age and your age i can see where you can get very cynical you know where you know it's like life beats you down for a while and you, you, some people look at a child and they like oh my gosh they have so much life ahead of them and then other people look at them and go, they have no idea what's coming at them you know what i mean yeah that's that's, that's kind of a scary thing you know and i go i vacillate between both of them there's times where where I'm, you know, I'm feeling really, oh, this is great. And other times where I'm just like, wow, this, this life, this maybe this place is hell, you know. So,
1: I was wondering if you wouldn't mind giving us a. That was my job. Oh come on, Matt. I remember. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. All right, all right. You go, you go. Well, no,
0: you. I'll save that question for you because now I have another question. Top five rappers. <laughs>
2: Top five rappers mean their skill or who I enjoy listening to?
0: Whatever you want to give the answer to.
2: <laughs> um all right. Let me just pull up my, my rap playlist just so I don't forget somebody. Chuck D. Chuck D definitely. Biggie. You know who I really enjoyed was was Mace.
0: I was just rapping the Mace verse earlier.
2: Yeah, he was one of my favorites. And it's hard because this he, he got You got some really interesting cats you know like as far as like some ridiculous skill goes you look at like bone thugs in harmony okay yeah the stuff that they can do is like i you know i feel like if i practice any rap i can probably do it but when i listen to to their stuff like as much as i want to say yeah i can figure it out yeah, and I've done, like, pieces, but mm. it's really just a whole different level of, of skill that, that those dudes have, you know? Actually, I'm going to get a chance to play a show with them at the end of the month, which is interesting. Yeah. Okay, that's
0: nice.
2: Yeah, wow. that's cool. I cool. I was pretty excited about that. So that's not a rapper, but...
0: It's your list. Whatever works, works.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm not pausing because I can't think of anybody. I'm pausing because there's just so much rap that I like, you know. I really, I really think NF is special. I really do. I really dig him as a rapper. You know, I I really enjoyed Puffy, even though people make you know, oh, he's Puffy, but I I enjoyed him. I thought what he did was good. Oh, hold on, the, the locks. I'm, yeah.
0: Did you happen to watch the verses? They started it last year when we were all in lockdown. Like it would be like an artist or a group, and they would compete back to back with hits to see kind of like a, I guess, a cipher, like who could win the crowd, the audience over the most. I saw clips and Jada Kiss, he made a very, very good argument for why you should never underestimate him.
2: Oh, wow. Yeah. It, it was, again, like, i'm not talking about content because a lot of these guys have content that i just don't think is good yeah for one's soul one's brain talking about mental health it's like you know, some stuff you listen to you might as well be smoking crack i mean because it's just not good for your brain you know whether it's listening to music or watching pornography or reading me- reading books that are just really inappropriate and immoral i mean that's but I, I love the skill of some of these guys. Yeah. I, I wish, like, content could be a little bit more easy on the brain. But, but yeah, the locks, I really loved the locks, Biggie, NF, Mace, and Poe, again, Chuck D.
0: Yeah. I think that was another reason why their win was so big, because they were going against another group who had more mainstream success, like a Never really was, like, a huge fan of theirs, but I felt like a lot of the content didn't really have... As much like depth or substance, so it was good just seeing like such an underrated group in some capacities get so much acclaim that night. It was really cool.
2: Oh, that's cool. I can look it up. Look up for sure. Because I really, really do like those dudes.
0: All right, Anna, you ready?
1: I am ready. So, I was going to ask if there is a song or what what song really that you would like to recommend to our listeners. Anything, and it can be anything. It can be a song that you're just like really into right now or a song that means a lot to you. Just what do you think people should be listening to?
2: Well, I mean, what they should listen to is different. That's a whole different question. I mean, So, you know, what I've been listening to a lot lately, um, it's kind of funny, is uh, this guy named Ralph Stanley. He died maybe five or six years ago as a very old man. But he sang... Basically like Christian Bluegrass. He's actually got a couple of songs in the Old Brother Where Out Thou soundtrack. But he's got a he's got an album called Shine On that I've been listening to a lot. So I'd say let's look up Ralph Stanley in the album is Shine On. He's got some really just poignant songs, really really beautiful. I'm looking him up right now.
1: I'm thinking about the Old Brother Where Out Thou. Um, I I like Blue Gra- bluegrass. I I couldn't like name artist but it's just music that i enjoy listening to
2: that soundtrack i love i didn't even realize he was on it until i started listening to his other music but that record he put out in 2005 um, is really for me special yeah and then you know another artist which actually fits really well into into what you guys do to look up would be daniel johnston and the people younger people might only know him because his song was featured on an apple commercial a couple years back but he was a man who suffered greatly with mental health issues. I mean, I would really encourage you both. You would enjoy it to look up a couple of documentaries about him. I think maybe it's on Netflix. He, he became kind of a cult following because Kirk Cobain wore a T-shirt of his album cover one time. And then people started discovering him. And he's like, uh, you listen to him, go, okay. What this? What is this? This is like not refined at all. but it, but it's beautiful. Like he's got a song. I have a playlist um, called "The Most Beautiful." It's just stuff that I listen to that is just so beautiful, you know. And he has a song about, called "The Story of an Artist." I'd, be, I'd say start with that one, "The Story of an Artist," and just listen to the simplicity of the words, but yet poignant, you know. And he's he's really an interesting case and, and somebody who. I believe it was he was schizophrenic. He really he really struggled a lot with, with his mental health. Another artist that I really love that struggled with mental health was Donny Hathaway. You would know him from his probably most famous song is uh, "Where Is the Love," or he's got a Christmas song that's really popular. But he suffered from uh, from mental health issues and actually committed suicide, jumped out of jumped out of a building. But um, since you had a therapist, those those artists came to my mind, but. Daniel Johnston is somebody I think you guys really enjoy just watching his story and seeing the way that he was handled or mishandled, you know. But just hearing the beauty of what he created was really something special. But
1: now I really want to look up that documentary. So
2: <laughs> Yeah, there's probably a few. I think it might be the devil and Daniel Johnston. Look him up. You'll you'll be um, I don't know what you'll be, maybe you'll be inspired. You know, as therapists, you're probably like, oh, my gosh, I should have done this. I should have done that for him, you know? Yeah. But uh, it's really quite, quite special. So. All
1: right. Thank you. Thank you for the recommendations. Thank you for your time. Yeah. What, where do you live again? Uh, we're in the Chicago area, Chicago, Illinois.
2: All right. Cool. Yeah. We're going to be up in Illinois in October. Waukegan. Yeah. Waukegan. <laughs> That's cool. Well, keep up the important work you guys are doing. I really admire what you're doing there and, and I hope the podcast goes well and thanks for including me.
1: Thank you Thank you. So much.
2: See ya. God bless you. Peace.
0: All right. Well, you just saw, well, saw and listened to an exclusive interview with, with LFOs, Brad.
1: Fischetti. There we
0: go. All right. <laughs> now that we're at the end of our episode, it's time for us to bring back one of our favorite special moments of the podcast Still, damn. Or it's da- not Friday. <laughs> new music, not new music Fridays. Even though it's not new Friday, new,
1: not New Music Friday. Yep. Yeah. I'll
0: go first. My recommendation. This happens to be off of Nas's most recent album, King's Disease Two. It is the ninth track, "Nobody" featuring Miss Lauren Hill. The song itself talks about the opposite. Actually, a little bit of what uh, Brad was talking about on the episode, what it means to find a life outside of the celebrity, outside of the fame, but for them more so dark because they just wish they were nobodies because they've lived their lives in celebrity. They found themselves scrutinized so many times. Nobody more than Lauren Hill mm. and just wishing like, yeah, no, nah, I want to be a regular person. again. I want to be nobody. So yeah, I enjoyed the song. I did not expect Lauren Hill to even be on the album. So it was good to hear her voice. It was good to hear her rap because I think a lot of times when you see a Lauren Hill credit on a song, you think she's gonna sing. But no, she's still got bars and she came at people for coming at her for being late tour performances. But you know, she did that too. So it's 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 both. It's both, hey, monitor expectations, fans and Lauren, they're paying money. So they they they, they gonna be pissed. But yeah, I'm not good to
1: that. I have to listen to that song <laughs> myself. No, 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 I did. I did. I did listen to it, but I got to listen to it again now that you have brought it up again. So I will. Yeah. Thank you, Matt, for your recommendation. My recommendation, I'm going to recommend an LFO song. Because even if Brad said he doesn't really listen to LFO, well, I do. I still listen to LFO. And I'm going to recommend Life is Good featuring M.O.P. A, what do you call it? Rap group, yep. hip hop. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, then I, I just, I just listen to it. Just listen to it. It's a classic. Um, it's just a fun song. It's like a fun. It's a fun upbeat song. It goes along with like a lot of the stuff we talked about today. So yeah. I think it's a good recommendation. In uh, that album, that's my favorite album from LFO. So check it out, people. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, that marks the first episode of season two. Thank you all for joining us, listening. Hopefully you're able to, one, enjoy this podcast, two, share it with friends, three, check us out on our favorite platforms, whether it be for listening to podcasts like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, the rest, et cetera, and also listening to us on YouTube or even watching us on YouTube, clips and full episodes all on our channel your therapist playlist you can also follow us on social media yt underscore is it yt underscore what
1: oh no that <laughs> it's been so long i, I, think, it's, I, I think it's yt underscore, underscore play on instagram yeah yeah yt underscore playlist there we go thank follow us on instagram people yeah you can also just search like your therapist playlist but yt underscore playlist uh we're on facebook and also please remember our sponsor tvd coffee oh and did you know they actually put out uh like an irish coffee thing and i thought that was cool because i was in ireland when i saw they released an irish coffee
0: maybe they were thinking of you when they
1: did it Maybe they were. Very possible. Anyway, remember our sponsor?
0: 15% off if you use the code YTP. 15. Yeah. See?
1: We did it. (laughs) We did it. We did it. All right. Follow us, particularly on Instagram. That'd be cool.
0: So that is our first episode again of season two. We will see you next time. I know we talked last time about increasing our outputs. We talked about this also during our hiatus. We're going to stick to bi-weekly because one, again, we're therapists. We're therapists that have lives. And as much as we enjoy creating the podcast, I know for me, I want to make sure that I am staying in tip-top shape so that I don't lose my footing or step when it comes to recording and being as energetic as I can be.
1: So yeah, one that time <laughs> All right. Thank you, everybody. Bye.